I'm McKinney Smith. In 2009, while going through a divorce, I decided to jump straight into entrepreneurship. In 2012, I lost my sister and asked myself, what legacy do I want to leave behind? Since then, I've become a serial entrepreneur, helping other women publish their books, produce their podcasts, and reach their big goals to walk in their greatness. I realized the importance of sharing our stories of resilience and how it can be another's guide to walk in a manner worthy of their calling. We are blessed to be a blessing. So get ready to be blessed with an inspiring testimony. Hey, Legacy Leavers, thank you for joining us in the Awaka My Stilettos podcast, the top 1.5 most popular show in the world where we have conversations with amazing women that are letting us step into their shoes. I help women to own their voice so they can create impact, prosperity, and legacy. I get inspired when I see another woman succeeding, but what interests me more is her backstory and her mindset on how she got there. So today's guest is about to bless us with her testimony, and since you're already here, you may as well subscribe. Today we have Danny Foster. She's a health coach curating a life that combines practicality, self-care, and wellness. Doing the work and walking together, she provides the tools for frustrated, stuck, or tried everything individuals to take back their health and get back to living a life as their highest self. Through one-on-one coaching, group workshops, Danny engages with clients to uncover the why beneath the why and redefine what it means to obtain and maintain a healthy lifestyle. Taking a holistic approach using nutrition and the mantra, let food be thy medicine and medicine be thy food, Danny shifts that mindset of her clients to improve their relationship with food, resulting in weight loss, increase in energy, and well-being. She is also the host of the Triggered AF podcast, where she shares her unique and insightful perspective on topics ranging from dating to healing and everything in between. Please welcome to the show, Danny Foster. Hi. Hey. Hi, Katie. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me. I am so honored to have this conversation with you. I'm excited for us to chat again. I was blessed and had the opportunity to be on your show and your podcast to speak with you and Alicia. So I'm just excited for us to continue that conversation. Yeah, me too. I mean, that conversation, like I pretty much had chills, I think the whole time. (laughs) that we were talking and it was just like so nice to share and just you know it's nice to kind of just meet members of your tribe and people that are just on the same wavelength Mm -hmm. it's just it's a blessing so no thank you for coming on that and then having me here to kind of continue that connection it's awesome I love it I love it all right let's do this (laughs) so okay so I love to start the show with an icebreaker question because I'm always curious, before you got to where you are presently, I would love to know, you know, what you wanted to be as a little girl before society, you know, tried to, you know, veer you off your path or, you know, got into your mind or limited your your belief in what is possible. Do you remember what you wanted to be as a little girl? I do. Um, It varied a lot. Like it changed. Like I think the first thing I remember ever wanting to be was an archaeologist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. And um, because I love ancient history, I love 
um, like anything about ancient civilizations. Like I just am a, like a world history type of a person. Like I'm super into that stuff, even still mm-hmm. till today. But I think ultimately I settled on, I wanted to become like an actress, singer, mogul vibe. Like that was my original, like the first thing I really ever wanted to pursue for real. Okay. So then tell us how you got into being a health coach. Tell us that story. Share that journey of how you got to where you are presently. Yeah. So um, I actually did pursue uh, singing for a few years in my early, in my late, late teens, early twenties. And that was a dream deferred. <laughs> and um, I ended up working, my sister and, and you know other family members worked in sales at different places. So I started on that road because it was like the most money at the time. Um, and I got pretty accustomed to, I got really, really good at it. I'm very good. I could sell salt to a slug, I think. And, (laughs) um, and I just went down that path, just went down the money path. I got really good at it. I started making what I wanted to make at a super young age. At one point I was like doing my degree and working a full-time job. Um, so, you know, I, I just kind of fell into that cycle, that hamster wheel life of, just kind of working for money. And especially mm-hmm. if you're making a money that affords you a certain lifestyle, it's easy to stay trapped in that space. Mm-hmm. A few years ago, um, I was on my way to work and I was really, really miserable. I felt like I was vibing really low um, for just a period of time. I was in a not so great relationship and I got into a car accident. Oh, wow. It was a two hit car accident. I was, it was raining. The person hit me like on the back passenger door, spun me around twice. I faced the other direction. Somebody else slammed into my back. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Yes. And I was like, you know, afterwards it's like these, these moments that are so visceral and you're like touching yourself like, oh my God, am I alive? Mm -hmm. It was on a highway. So cars are still zooming by and it was just, I don't know. It was crazy. And um, I just remember thinking to myself in that moment, how would I feel if I died right now? Mm. You know, like, would I be proud of my life? Would I be proud of my legacy that I was leaving behind? Would I be, would I feel like I accomplished what I set out to do? Would I feel like I fulfilled my purpose here on earth? You know, like, it was Mm -hmm. like, that's where my mind went. And it was so weird for, you know, most people are like, oh my God, my head, like, is, you know, but mm-hmm. I was like, after I realized I was still alive and I wasn't gravely injured, I started asking myself those questions. And I was like, wow, like, am I, I'm not happy, you know? And it just all kind of sunk in in that moment. So long story short, I ended up having to go to, for my, my job, for me to get like the time off to heal. One of the recommendations I had to see like a psychologist. Mm-hmm. And um, I had kind of dabbled with different therapy before because um, I had a lot of anxiety in my teens. So I'd like talked to counselors before, but this was like, you know, like a psychologist. And it was like, all right, my first foray into really getting therapy. And he just spoke so much life into me. And then he suggested that I go to just something to kind of get my creativity out. And I started taking acting classes and my acting coach just like changed the trajectory of my life in just showing me different modalities of dealing with pain and stress and anxiety and 
I started seeing an energy therapist through that point. And I just fell in love with this idea of just using your knowledge of what you have and what you do to help other people. It's like what you, what comes naturally. And then, um, it took a, I, you know, I kind of just started being more open to, to different ways of looking at the world and moving in the world. And then one day I went to see a psychic. <laughs> and, yeah, I went to see a psychic. I had gotten out of that relationship. I was living on my own. I was feeling really good. And I just wanted a little bit direction. I'm not someone had that had ever seen a psychic. It wasn't something I was into. Mm-hmm. And she just kind of was like, um, I told her that I was thinking about going back to school for psychology because I wanted to get into psychology and maybe become a doctor. And then she was just like, mm, why don't you take a different approach? Like if you're wanting to help people, you want to heal people, you know, psychology, I think may be restrictive with the things that you're allowed to do um, Mm -hmm. in that field. Why don't you like become a coach of some sort? She's like, I could still see that. And I think that might be a better journey. So I thought about it and I was like, "Hmm, that's so interesting that she said that because I mean, I really was like calling my old school and asking about becoming a psychologist and all that stuff. And I found this program that just spoke so much to who I really was because I believe I've always been on some kind of a health journey and in nutrition and I've always kind of been on that. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, that's kind of how I I kind of started out. So I took the program. It was like this very lengthy program, um, but it ended up being exactly the balance I was looking for where it combined kind of like mental health with nutrition. Mm -hmm. And that's where I just started like taking clients and I started seeing the results in people. And I was like, okay, this is a real thing. This wasn't like a gimmick, you know, (laughs) I'm like a college grad. Like once you hear programs and certifications, you're like, yeah, get out of here. But it was actually (laughs) really good. And I learned a lot. So not to be too long winded, but yeah, it was like a little journey of this car accident starting acting classes, being more open to different forms of therapy and realizing that I didn't need to be a doctor to help people. Wow. I have goosebumps. Okay. So first of all, that last line, realizing that you didn't need to be a doctor to help people. I have goosebumps. goosebumps. (laughs) Okay. So the listeners know when I get goosebumps, like the spirit hit me. Okay. That's how I feel. So I'm like, okay, something's happening. This is is real. Yes, this is powerful. Okay. So first of all, thank God, after that traumatic experience of the car accident and being hit by multiple cars that you were here with us today. Yes, yes. Thank you. Yeah, I was, it was very terrifying. I, I can only imagine. I've been in, you know, car accidents a couple times, but I have not been hit by two cars. And I can only imagine what, what that would feel like mentally, yeah. emotionally, physically. But the other thing I want to unpack is, you know, when you talk about the car accident and the journey that it led you into, like, I can tell you of the over 150 plus, or if you count the IGTV interviews, it's almost 200 interviews that I've done. Every single person, when they tell their story, their pain births their purpose. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I, I love it. And here's the thing. A lot of people who have either not ever had a near-death experience or um, have not lost someone who is extremely close to them um, may not necessarily understand this just yet. But everyone that I've spoken to that has had those experiences have all had that question of, you know, what do I want to do with my life? Like, why am I really here? What legacy do I want to leave behind? You know, it's... yeah it forces us to live on purpose with purpose. 
It's like a light bulb yeah. gets switched on at some point, right? Yeah. Wow. Like when you you talked about being able to combine uh, mental health with nutrition. Yeah. Now in the last, I'm going to say few months, I've gotten really obsessed with this. So I, I want to hear like more about how you help people and what you do with that. Because okay. my my own healing journey within the last uh, couple of years holistic healing has been my way of life and studying how we have trapped emotions within our body that cause Mm -hmm. us to be sick and ill and studying how our, uh, because we're all energy, you know, studying, you know, our movement and um, like all these things, like I'm presently reading, uh, what is the book called? The Body Keeps the Score. Yeah, I have it. Uh, Girl. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So feel free to share with us more about your holistic approach uh, to wellness coaching. Um, So like I said, I had always kind of been just interested in food. I grew up in a family where there was a lot of cooking. Um, I was born in Jamaica. Food is like a very central part of the culture. Mm-hmm. Yep. And especially in my family, everyone cooks, you know, so I grew up cooking. I grew up kind of with an understanding and a relationship to food, but not really understanding the nutritional value or lack thereof of mm-hmm. food. And I've always been a very curious person, very inquisitive, very like, if I hear, if you tell me like aliens exist, I have to like go research. Like I, you know, like I'm not like a take your word for it type of person. I'm like, Ooh, really? Okay. And I, I start digging. So, you know, like I would be in the grocery store and I would like, things would just pique my curiosity. Like, I'd be like, why is this fat free? Like, why? Like, why doesn't it need to have fat? You know, like I just, I don't know, Mm -hmm. for some reason, just since I was in my early twenties, I just started this curiosity. I I don't remember what the real turning point was, but I just remember feeling like I don't like the way I feel when I eat certain things. And it started Mm -hmm. like becoming very loud. I didn't have any major illnesses that I wanted to overcome, but for some reason, I just knew that food was somehow tied to me not feeling my best. Mm -hmm. So I started kind of looking into that stuff. And then I came across this guru (laughs) a few years ago named Sad Guru. And um, he just talked a lot about food and, you know, in Ayurvedic traditions, food is like, I mean, they use food for everything. They know that food is not, food is not like medicine. Food is medicine. Exactly. You know, so different things like that started piquing my interest. And then, like I said, I went through this program and they talked a lot about um, nutrition, but they focused a lot on the mental state of the person. And that weight was really just a side effect of Mm -hmm. something much deeper. And because Mm -hmm. we live in this world where it's all about treating the symptoms and not the root cause of things, Mm -hmm. we're like, oh, I'm just going to focus on losing weight. But it's like, but let's stop and think about the why beneath the why. Why? What, where did this weight come from? What does this weight represent? You know, it's like, Mm -hmm. you're talking about weight, but a lot of times you're carrying around resentment. You're carrying around grief. You're carrying around anger. You're carrying around depression and it's manifesting in physical weight. Yes. But a lot of the times there's something so much deeper. So with my clients, I, you know, I learned this obviously in the program, but for me being, I believe a very spiritual and intuitive and an in-tune person, a lot of it, I just go with my gut and I, I just try to get to the root cause of what's causing the weight. And I'm very big on habit change. And I know we talk a lot about that McKinney, since that's what you do as well mm-hmm. with mindset coaching, yep. um, with just kind of, helping develop better habits and also helping their mind get on track with their body. Because a lot of us are so disconnected 
Um, you mentioned kind of uh, learning about the energy trapped in your body. I actually see an energy therapist. We have we have her on the podcast this season. And awesome. um, that's actually what she does, where she talks to the body using her fingers. Mm-hmm. And she helps me to remove uh, trauma and um, conditioning and lots of other negative things <laughs> out of my body by actually asking my body questions. So, yeah, I'm all about that. <laughs> Mm, Wow. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. You know, when you're talking about like, you know, food is medicine, it made me think of um, a few years ago when I was uh, trying to heal from when they diagnosed me from fibromyalgia. Mm -hmm. And um, a friend of mine introduced me to Dr. Sabi's work. Oh, yeah. He's incredible. Uh, Right. And how it healed her from a lot of her health issues. And that's when I started to look at the food that I was consuming. And because I was like, you know what? I'm skinny. I can eat whatever I want. But it didn't work that way. (laughs) Right? So we we don't realize that what we consume fuels us, but not just within food. You know, what we consume mentally, emotionally, physically, um, you know, mind, body, and soul. Uh, fuels us. It's so important, um, you know, that the, the whole holistic approach and looking at everything that we are doing, um, yes, affecting us in every single way, in every way, and you don't even realize it. I mean, that I, we walk around so much on autopilot that we just start to believe that living in a low vibration or eating mm-hmm. certain things is normal. You know, like growing up, my mom. I mean. We come from a third world country. Like you walk into a grocery store and you see aisles of food. You're just like, yeah, get whatever you want. Like, (laughs) you know, it's amazing. And, you know, this land of opportunity also becomes this land of excess and overindulgence. And a lot of times, you know, you come here, a lot of people come here, you have your cultural things. And yeah, even though our foods were ethnic, they were from, they were whole foods. It's like, I grew up eating you know, in Jamaica, we eat like yams and we mm-hmm. eat like real, like it's organic food yes. because it's not processed. The cows are grass fed. Like now those are things in terms that people are popularizing to help re-rank, you know, like mm-hmm. hike up the prices on food, like a oh, pasture raised cow. Like how else should a cow be raised? Like, <laughs> right? Why was the cow ever <laughs> raised on anything except the pasture? <laughs> yeah. It's just like, like, why was the food ever not organic? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yep. Like you make the food unorganic to sell it back to me organic at two, three dollars more. Like it's just such a mess. Mm-hmm. But you know, so I grew up with that. But then coming here, it's like you start the cereals and the sugar and the juices and the candy and the processed foods, and everyone falls into that because they're cheaper. And many of us, and I mean, there's so much socioeconomic uh, disparities when it comes to races as far as so many urban areas are food deserts, you know? So there's just, there was just a lot of things that started really interesting me. The more I kind of dug into food and how it affects us on a micro and a macro level. And I realized when I started changing my diet and I started being more conscious about what I was eating, I realized that I felt better. I was like, wow, like, okay, like this feels good. Like, I feel like I have more energy. I feel like I'm not as like cranky. I'm less bitchy. Like, all right. Like, why is this? You know? So I just started my curiosity took over and I was like, yo, if I can feel like this, a lot of people, like, I think other people can feel like this. And I have someone close to me that has battled weight their entire life. And it just kind of, I felt this empathy for some reason, although I didn't have that same struggle. I love someone very deeply that struggles with that. Mm -hmm. And it also was a big motivation to just try to like, 
maybe if I could just like figure this out, <laughs> you know, I could, I could not only help her, um, but just help other people with this because it, it is, I saw how damaging it was to her self-esteem. I saw how damaging it was to just her worldview in general. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because again, I learned her weight was really just a result of just much deeper um, underlying issues that she wasn't quite ready to solve. Right. And that is what I love about what you do. So, you know, when we look at fitness coaches and all they focus on is, you know, um, toning the muscle or losing weight or, you know, not eating uh, anything, (laughs) but, (laughs) um, you know, they're, they're focused on the outside visible part of the person, right? The outer self image. And when I was on your show, we talked about you know, mindset and how we're programmed. And if someone mm-hmm. wants to lose, you know, 15, 20 pounds, even if they were to lose those 15, 20 pounds, our brain is programmed to find anything it loses. So it's going yeah. to try and gain back that 15, 20 pounds and sometimes more until we change the habits, until we change the mindset. So yeah. I love that you dig deeper and get to the core um, root of the problem rather than the um, outside superficial that like a regular uh, fitness coach does. Yeah. Because the, the thing is that I like a good amount of my clients are not people who are overweight. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, that's a part of it. But just because you're skinny doesn't mean that your blood sugar is doing what it's supposed to do. You could be pre-diabetic and you don't even know it. Right. It doesn't necessarily have to do with weight. You're you know, those underlying issues can manifest in different ways. And my clients are always really surprised when like, you know, I do a 90 day program where it's like 12 sessions, obviously for, for, um, the 90 days, the 12 Mm -hmm. weeks. And they're always really surprised by like, you know, they're like, where's my meal plan? Where's my, you know, where's my, this, where's my, that. And they're waiting for like the typical diet approach that Mm -hmm. quick fix Let's just get this, let's get you into this dress for this wedding. Let's get right. you fixed really fast, you know? Yeah. And it, it took you 35 years to gain this weight. It took you 35 years for this illness to accumulate. Why do you think you can fix it in 10 mm-hmm. days? Like, mm-hmm. it's just, yeah. you yeah. know, but we're so used to that instant gratification in this culture. And it's just how things go. We're used to like, you got a headache, you pop a Tylenol, right? Mm-hmm. And in 30 minutes, your headache is gone. But you never stop to think, why did I have that headache in the first place? Right? Your right? body was trying to tell you something. That pain your was Your body was trying to communicate, but we're like, no, 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 forget that. I got to work. Pop this <laughs> Forget what my body's trying to tell me. I don't care. I have work to do, right? And that's what right. we do. We sweep things under the rug. We just keep going. We keep ourselves busy. And we just self, we medicate just to kind of keep ourselves going. And then at some point in our 60s and 70s, you know, we're crashing and our body's doing all these things and all these diseases come up and there's heart disease and there's uh, high blood pressure and diabetes. And you're just like, what? Like, how did I get here? Mm-hmm. And it was like, yeah, that headache you had at 32, your body was trying to tell you something. <laughs> you kept popping Tylenols every day and you thought it was normal to have a headache every day in your 30s. Like, you know, so it, it just, it's astounding. The more I worked with clients and just the things that people thought were normal, Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, I wake up every day congested. And it's like, why do you think that that's okay? okay right? <laughs> every like, time I eat in the morning, I crash in the afternoon. And that's like a thing where I've worked in offices where they like walk around with, I'm in Miami. So we have this thing called a cafecito. And it, I think it's cocaine infused coffee. 
You know oh. what I mean? Like it is that strong. Like, it, 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 <laughs> yeah, like it is, it's insane. Like anyone that's been to Miami and you've had, you know, in it's called Cuban coffee. It's like this little shot of an espresso, but it is next level. Like we call it like, like crack coffee. Like it's, <laughs> it's not normal. And I've been in, you know, I've worked in corporate America and they will walk around and offer this to people after lunch that people crash. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's like this, even the culture of work is like, yeah, that afternoon crash, eat this, you know, do this, drink this coffee, drink this Red Bull. It's like, you're not supposed to do It's not normal, guys. Yeah. It's not normal to crash after, you know, in the afternoon because you didn't have an adequate breakfast because you thought donuts were the best way to fuel your body in the morning. You know, so things like that just started really becoming interesting. And I just wanted to uncover more and learn more. And the more clients I worked with was the more I realized that we are so programmed to live in a mundane way. Mm-hmm. And it's okay for us not to feel great. We're just like used to that. It's like, oh, I'm alive. I'm breathing. That's enough. Right. And I decided that that was no longer enough for me. I want to feel the best I could possibly feel in this body. Why not? Yeah. So you, okay. So you spoke about, you know, how we've been programmed to like live in this mundane way. And, you know, two years ago, the pandemic hit and we all just got slapped in the face yeah. <laughs> and got reality <laughs> checks. <laughs> so how has the pandemic affected how you serve? So the pandemic just made everything more virtual for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I was like doing my, because even before I like went through the health coaching kind of like program and things like that, like I would still, I, I felt like I was helping people in my own way. Like I'm, def- I'm like that friend that you call and you like, I'm going to meet you somewhere and let's talk it out. <laughs> so I feel mm-hmm. like I've always been a coach of some kind. <laughs> Um, but the pandemic just makes everything virtual. And it also made me realize that when people have to sit with themselves, they are forced to do the work. And I, I, I feel like I had more of like more, I started getting more traction really. So like uh, oddly, mm-hmm. um, it's also like kind of during the pandemic when we launched our podcast and it was just like, everyone was just willing to just sit for a second and that's mm-hmm. slowing down and having to really pay attention to how you feel because, Hey, people are not running out to work 30 minutes after they woke up. Right. Because most people don't have a morning routine. So they mm-hmm. wake up and they just roll out of bed and start, start on autopilot and, and stumble and roll through the day by accident. Right. Mm-hmm. None of it is on purpose. And I realized that when I had clients during this time, it's like people were like noticing things that they hadn't noticed in 30 years, 40 years, 50 years. Right. Right. And it was like, wow, like I, it was like a blessing in disguise that this pandemic slowed us down so much that we had no choice but to pay attention to the person right in front of us, as opposed to everyone on Instagram or Facebook Mm -hmm. or TV. It was like, no, there's a person alive (laughs) right here in this house that needs my attention. Um, and I think the pandemic just did a really, it did a number on us, but I, I also think it forced us to just slow down. Yeah. When you slow down, you can feel all the things you can hear all the things and you can be all the things. Um, cause now you're paying attention. And Absolutely. that for me was just, it definitely made not necessarily easier, but you know, a lot of the sessions that I do are like a lot of questions to my clients and kind of trying to uncover I felt like with the pandemic, it was a lot more of people kind of coming like, hey, 
I feel this. I noticed this. Mm-hmm. What does this mean? Yep. As opposed to like me having to kind of pull those questions out. So it's actually been interesting. Um, so I love the shift in people kind of being more self-aware because they have to sit with themselves. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And like, I believe there's good in all things and bad in yes. all things, right? It, it yeah. depends on the perspective that you want to look at it at. And I feel like yeah. the pandemic forced everyone, like you said, to sit with themselves, but to look at the person in the mirror. Mm -hmm. I think that many people had been spending way too much time preoccupied with, with what other people are doing or how how other people are living or what other people are saying and not enough time getting to know themselves. And some people like dove right into that and embraced it and, you know, got coaches and became more self-aware. And then I also noticed there were some people that were fighting it so hard (laughs) Mm-hmm. You know, they they refused um, that that growth and evolution within themselves. But if we don't truly know ourselves, then what what are we doing? Like you know, people spend so much time getting to know their partner, their kids, yeah. or their friends, and understanding what their needs and likes are, but not understanding themselves. Yep, and it's and that like I said, it just all becomes so normal to be that mm-hmm. way. You know, mm-hmm. I think especially as women, we're so like we talk about programming program to put ourselves on the back burner yep, and put everyone else first and some like super um, like you, you're like self sabotaging and, you know, like it's just how we live our lives as women. It's like everyone comes first. I have to be a martyr to be a good person. I have to be a martyr to be a great mom, a great wife. Like if I'm not self-sacrificing myself for everybody else, I'm not a good person. Yeah. And I think that's a lot of the programming with women. It's like, you have to feel like you're, you're giving your all and draining yourself. And it's like, it's cool to be overworked. It's cool to have to need a glass of wine to function. It's like, it's like, that's how we live our lives. And it's, it's unhealthy and it's unhealthy, not just physically, but mentally, emotionally for some of us financially, because we're kind of having to carry the whole family unnecessarily when there are other adults who have are able body to work, you know, it's just, mm-hmm. yeah. there's, yeah, there's a lot of that. And it's important to me to kind of bring that self-awareness in, but it's not enough to be self-aware. It's, you have to also apply the things that you learn. So it's important to have tools in your tool shed to just be like, Hey, I call it swimming to shore faster where okay. you're never going to be a hundred percent, just vibing high, drinking your water, minding your business, being <laughs> this angel right on earth. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's like whenever I get thrown out there, whenever I feel stressed, whenever I feel like I have an anxiety attack, how quickly do I move through it, right? It's not to avoid it altogether because I think that is another way of where sometimes something healthy can become unhealthy, where we become like avoidant and we become so positive that we're delusional, right? (laughs) So we still live on earth with other human beings. Stuff is going to happen all the time. So it's like, how quickly can I swim to shore? And the more I exercise my mind, the more I exercise my body, the more I inform myself is the quicker I swim to shore. And Mm -hmm. that for me is the main goal all the time. It's never to be perfect. It's just to get through those negative, not, I don't even think they're negative emotions. It's to get through adversity as quickly as I can. Yes. So I can keep living an amazing life. I love that. I love that. So what inspires you the most about what you do? People connection. You know, mm-hmm. like that is what life is about. I I think that if we were supposed to do this by ourselves, the universe is big enough for each of us to have our own planet. 
Yeah. <laughs> There's a yeah. hundred billion stars and a hundred billion galaxies supposedly. Right. So it's like, everyone could have their own planet if it was just supposed to be about you. Right. Mm-hmm. So the connection to people and just having that is just, I think it's worth the time It's worth the energy. I don't think there's anything more fulfilling than helping people. And not to say that in like a BS way, but honestly, like I think that we're all here to serve in different ways. And if you can figure out how you're supposed to serve, you probably figured out your purpose. Absolutely. Um, When you're trying to kind of take and you get scrappy and all your figure, all you're trying to, you don't have an abundance mindset and you have the scarcity mindset. So all you're thinking about is how much you're going to lose. You're you're already setting yourself up (laughs) to not live the life that you want. So once I was able to switch to an abundance mindset and, you know, everything I give, I believe comes back to me tenfold. It's easy to help. It's easy to do things for free. It's easy to charge. It's easy to, because I know that I'm serving Um, and in whatever way that is, the way that I've chosen to serve is the most fulfilling for me. And I'm also a big believer that I may serve like this for now. And in 10 years, I may serve differently. You know, Mm -hmm. I don't feel, yeah, I don't feel married to to anything. (laughs) Yeah. I don't feel married to ideas and ideals and and systems. It's like, I think like this today, if new information comes tomorrow, I may change the way I think, you know, I'm grounded in the things that I know, but I also try to keep an open and flexible mind so that I can shift as the world shifts, as society shifts, as I shift as a woman and as a mother, you know? So I'm really big on keeping my connect. All that matters to me is a connection and service. And as long as I can keep doing that, I can keep feeling fulfilled. Uh, here I go with this goof up again. The spirit is talking. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so as a mindset coach, here's what I love about what you just said, that you are not married to the idea of anything. Yeah. Because... I find majority of people are rigid within their mindset. Their mind is set (laughs) on a particular way of thinking, right? And I resonate with what you said because I truly believe, yes, I may believe this today because that is the truth that I know today. But if someone else is able to educate me on a different or better truth, then I may change my way of thinking. I am not like, you know what I mean? We're, we're not stuck in stone. We yeah. have that ability to be fluid. So I love, 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 love everything you just said um, in terms of like your, your way of thinking. Yeah, you have to be. And, and that for me is why nutrition is so important. It's because food is a science too, you know, mm-hmm. and people are still like stuck on the fat free craze of the nineties. Like, you know, like I have people that are like, oh, I, they are like, they feel accomplished because they're eating fat free. And it's like that science is old, it's outdated. Yeah. Fat-free makes no sense. It actually mm-hmm. makes your cravings worse. It actually makes your sh- blood sugar. Like, you know, there's so much that happens um, when there's, when you're behind on information, yes. you know, I, there, I was looking up this, I'm, I'm like really into sugar and really trying to understand its effects on us because they're now linking sugars, uh, sugar early onset of Alzheimer's. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. And to a host of other illnesses that we have in the, uh, maybe the late 1800s, a century ago, we were eating two pounds of sugar um, on average, you know, each person a year. And now we're up to about 75. (gasps) So you can just imagine, (laughs) yeah, a year per person. Um, and I think I'm, I think I'm messing up that number. I'm, I think it's more 
And, you know, so I'm really doing a lot of study on the effects of sugar on just the body, the mind, the energy field, like all the things, right? Especially processed sugar. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that comes up is there's this ad in the, in like the fifties that is saying that sugar helps you lose weight. And it's, I'm talking about a legitimate ad. Like it's, (laughs) it's like a propaganda, like an ad that's like, eat that cookie after lunch um, so that you can curb your cravings, eat that ice cream after dinner. And it's, it's literally like, I, it's insane. Like, it's Mm -hmm. like, it's like sugar is going to help us, you know, to lose weight and to be this and that. And it was like, like, toting sugar as a healthy thing. And there's this whole um, study that goes back to like how they paid the sugar industry, paid like Harvard doctors to promote and to validate their findings, so-called, as far as the benefits of sugar, you know, and it's a very big part of why we consume so much sugar. And it's how a lot of these industries, a lot of these manufacturers were able to put so much sugar in our food Mm -hmm. and for us to just accept it because some scientists got paid off. Right. And I'm saying that to say that, imagine if we still believe that right? and we didn't start doing more science and someone else didn't come in and say, Hey, this makes no sense. If sugar's so great, why is everyone getting sick? Why are diabetes rates through the roof? Why is high blood pressure through the roof? Like somebody has to come in and question some of the things when the results are not matching the findings. Right. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. like, Hey, like, hmm, this doesn't add up. I think that we should take that approach with our lives, right? I do it with food. Like I can say, you know, sometimes I'll find something out that I believe for years and then it's like, I find new information. I'm like, oh, that's not true. Okay. That is something I need to adjust. So it's the same thing. The same way everything is pretty much a science. You can take the scientific method and apply it to everything. I think it's really important to do that with our lives. It's like, hey, this is what I've been doing for 10 years. I don't like the outcome. The, right. the results are not giving what they're supposed to give. Let me, mm-hmm. maybe I should start asking questions. And that's why in my practice, it's like, I want to ask questions because sometimes it's the questions that will lead you to this deeper, um, these deeper findings that you didn't even know. Because if you don't ask the right questions, you don't get the right answers. Exactly. And it's, yeah, you have to ask the right questions. And that comes that is applied to food, to relationships, like ladies mm-hmm. on these first dates. I, start, I ask questions <laughs> out the gate. Like, really, how do you feel about this? What are your views yeah. on this? Like, you know, like you have to ask the right questions. And it's important to me to help people learn to do that so that we yeah. can tap back into our intuition. I tell my clients, like, I hope after this, like, I don't, I don't want you to have to go through another diet program. I really don't. I want to talk to you in a year and you're like, yeah, I'm at the grocery store. This is how I eat. This is what I buy. This is how I think. Because it's about transformation. This is who I am. Yeah. I don't, I don't want you to have to keep coming back to me or anybody else. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I love it. I love it. Okay. So before we go to the final segment of the show, I want you to tell people where they can stay connected with you and get more information from you. So you can go to my website at dannyfostercoaching.com to book sessions uh, with me for the 90-day program. I also do a cleanse, a 14-day cleanse, and I also do Danny Dials, uh, where you can uh, contact me for like a 30-minute a la carte quick session if you just have basic questions about all things health and wellness. Um, So that's where you can um, either book me or engage with me. Um, My Instagram is at Danny Foster Coaching. On Facebook, I'm just Danny Foster. 
Um, yeah, you can also tune into uh, the podcast that I co-host, which is Triggered AF Podcast. Um, and you can also go to triggeredafpodcast.com. Awesome. Awesome. I will have the direct links in the detailed section so they don't have to search too far. They can just click and connect with you directly. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So for the final segment of the show, I call it a walk in her wisdom. I just ask like a couple of reflection questions, something like a rapid fire. uh, You can answer whether it be one word or one sentence. Sometimes I break my own rules and ask you to unpack because I don't really like rules. (laughs) Okay. Same. I'm I'm with you. Rebel. Rebel. Yes. (laughs) All right. Okay. What new belief, behavior, or habit has improved your life in the last five years? Wow, this is a great question. (laughs) (laughs) It is. There's so many to pick from. Okay. Um, One thing that I think has changed my life is gratitude. Mm. Is kind of like a gratitude practice. Just like whenever I'm feeling down, whenever I'm feeling frustrated, angry, anxious, finding the gratitude and just kind of finding that thing that makes me feel grateful mm-hmm. for everything that I have and not focusing on what I don't have, I mm-hmm. believe has been life altering for me. Like it helps me get through the darkest moments. I used to, when I was a teenager, I battled anxiety so much. I would call it like the abyss because mm-hmm. I would feel like it called to me. And it's 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 like it's, it has like a sexy voice and it sounds really endearing to go into the I called it the abyss as a kid, mm-hmm. like just feeling like I wanted to go to this dark place and stay there and gratitude and just being grateful for everything around me. I use gratitude to like when I don't feel like moving my body and exercising. It's like, thank you for this body that I can move, that I can yes. run, that I can jump, yes. that my body can still do these things. So I would say just having um, just practicing gratitude daily and stopping and writing down three things I'm grateful for every day, or just just having a lot of moments of stopping and pausing and thinking about the things I'm grateful for. Amen. Okay. Yeah. Name one of the most worthwhile investments that you've ever made. And that could be money, time, energy. The investment in myself. Mm, love to, it. Yeah. Yeah, the wor- the most worthwhile is just investing in myself and not even with just doing the program that I did um, to become a health and life coach, but just investing in myself as far as like reading more and, you know, just like taking the time to really grow. And a lot of times we think of investment as just money, like you said, but just investing the time to heal, you mm-hmm. know, and the, and the modalities, the therapies to heal and to grow and to become the version of myself, the highest version of myself that... I want to be, that mm-hmm. has been my greatest investment. It's the investment in my healing and my growth. Love it. What's the best advice you've ever received? No one owes you anything. <laughs> okay. What's the worst advice you've ever received? No one owes you anything. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because, you know, it, it's it's good in, and I'll, I'll kind of briefly explain why it's the best advice I've ever received. Like no one owes you anything is because it kind of takes the responsibility off of everyone else. And it puts the accountability on you, right? Yeah. When we kind of walk through life with this entitlement that everyone owes us and you're kind of waiting for people to validate you, you're waiting for people to say the things so that you can forgive them, you know, like it kind of puts us in this mode where we're waiting for everyone else to help us live our life. Right. Yeah. 
But also I think it's not great advice because it can make you feel like you have to be this independent person that doesn't know how to have standards for people Mm -hmm. in your life. Mm-hmm. Like people do need to show up. You do need to have requirements. You do need to have some sort of expectation for the people to, to reciprocate. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're, if you are in my life and you are trying to be in my space, then there are different boundaries and different standards I'm going to hold for you. Yeah. You know? So I think it's just how you look at that statement, but I, I do use it either way where sometimes it's like, no one owes me anything, but my fiance, he owes me a few things. <laughs> <laughs> He does. He owes me loyalty. He owes me to yeah. you know, like he owes me a few things. So I think it's just how you look at it. But for sure, taking the approach in life that this is all on you and you can't sit around and wait for other people to do it or to mm-hmm. help you. No one's coming to save you. Right. You know? So you have to figure it out for yourself. Absolutely. Okay. Last but not least, what do you wish women would do more of? Heal. Mm. Yeah, I wish more women would heal and talk about healing and talk about the things that are really, really bothering them. I think people think we do that. <laughs> There's this idea <laughs> that we're, so emotional, we're always <laughs> ranting and raving and like expressing ourselves, but that's not really true. Yeah. Um, yeah. Most women I know are carrying so much pain that they never talk about. So many women I know have been molested, have been sexually abused as adults, mm-hmm. have been beaten down, have been, you know, like there's so much I think that we carry as women yes. that we think that we're just supposed to carry. So I wish more women would heal and you can't heal what you don't feel and what yeah. you don't reveal. So yeah. I think that we need to be more open with talking about those deep, dark secrets that we hold, especially in the Black community, um, with feeling like, oh, that was uncle such and such. So we can't say nothing or, you know, like whatever excuses we make up for our abusers. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I would like more women to be more honest about what actually happened and how they can really heal from it so that they can live their best life. Wow. That was so powerful. That is definitely going to be a quotable. It will be tweeted. <laughs> it will be on um, the audio teaser. Like, <laughs> yeah, Thank you so heal. much, Danny. Yeah, honestly, we gotta <laughs> heal. As women, like we make the world go round, you know, so we're yeah. not healed. Everybody's not healed. Mm-hmm. There is, <laughs> you know, no like we can't heal our children. We can't heal our men. Like it's, yeah. I, I do take a lot of responsibility on that. Like I decide how my house functions, you know, like we mm-hmm. are, we are that we, we really are like the, the, the base and the root and we're the, like, if they say like the man is the head of the house, well, we're the neck, right? Yep. The head yep. can't do nothing. If it doesn't have a function. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I don't know if you ever slept wrong and woke up with like a crick in your neck or like that. It's like you can't do nothing. So, you know, I'm a firm believer in doing the work and healing. And I remember when you were on our podcast, you were talking about, you know, we asked you about like, what are some of the things that you do? And you gave this really extensive, powerful, amazing list of Mm -hmm. all the things that you're doing (laughs) on a daily basis. Yeah. For your self work. And I was just like, yes, like I, you know, I've obviously asked other people those questions and the things that they say are like, okay, but your (laughs) list was like, yes, somebody is really, because you know how, because you know, a, a, a tree by the fruit it bears. And Mm -hmm. You cannot tell me that, yo, I'm working on myself. I'm working on myself. But then the results are not there. The the fruit isn't there. The results are in the routine. 
Yeah. And I just love that you shared that. And I know so many people will be moved by that because it was like a really great routine. It was a great thing to adapt into your own life. Even if you don't do all the wonderful things you do, but even taking two or three, I think is going to change lives for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Danny, for sharing your journey with us, your expertise, Mm -hmm. your wisdom, your gems. Like I truly, truly appreciate you. Yes. No, thank you so much for having me. This is awesome. I feel honored to be able to share this space with you and with your audience. It's it's definitely um, a blessing to be able to have this outlet now, you know, like it, it's yeah. crazy how to, to think that you get to meet so many people and you get to connect with so many people. Like I know we bash the internet a lot and <laughs> you know, there is good and bad and all things. Yeah, exactly. It's about <laughs> my perspective of the internet is that I've been able to connect with people. You're in Canada. Like I would never cross paths with you, you know, like I, it's such a beautiful way of uniting us all and whatever, um, whatever differences we think we have. I I think the internet showed us like, we're so much more alike than we are different. You ever see like those memes where they're like, Oh, when you're taking a shower and washing your hair and you think there's a serial killer in the house. I was like, Oh my God, me too. (laughs) Like, I'm like that. Like, And you're like, wow, there's other people in the world that think that, you know? So I think if, you know, at its purest form, the internet is such a connector Um, and it it really is the web. Like it it kind of strings us all together. And I love that. So I just love that the the internet and our our mutual friend, Alicia, was able to kind of bring us together, um, you know, and I was able to find another tribe member. So thank you so much. Oh, I love it. I'm truly honored. And if there is anything I could do to be of service or to help how you serve, I'm happy to help in any way that I can. Yes. Thank you. Same. Thank you so much. And to all of you legacy leavers out there until next time, subscribe on all platforms. Don't forget to rate the show and leave us a review on Apple podcast. And if you could think of, I'm going to challenge you to three women that would receive value from hearing Danny's story today. Please share it with them. Feel free to screenshot this week's episode and you can tag Danny at Danny Foster Coaching and you can tag myself at The Real McKinney Smith and continue to walk in greatness in your stilettos in a manner worthy of your calling. 